being able to answer WH questions and other comprehension skills are something that our students are often struggling with. And I feel like as providers, as speech therapists, at BCBAs, teachers, parents, we can sometimes feel at a loss on how to get started on working on comprehension. We've talked about comprehension a couple times here on the podcast, and it's such a very important skill that is going to allow our students to become more independent communicators. So today, I'm doing a solo show all about comprehension. If your student or your own child is struggling with comprehension, how can you support them so that they can learn and have a robust system for answering WH questions. And we're going to talk about a step-by-step framework. This is a great episode for you to view the show notes. I have a lot of links to free and some paid resources that you will want to check out so that you can help your students or you can help your own child increase their overall comprehension skills. I hope that you love this solo show. If you like the Autism Outreach Podcast, make sure that you go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That is like a little present for me. And it also just lets the world know that we are talking about important things here on the show. My whole purpose in life, my personal mission is to help all autistic students have and find their voice. I want to help your students on their communication journeys. By leaving a review, it lets other people know that we are talking about important things and I hope that they will tune in too. Let's get started with the show today. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Comprehension questions. Comprehension. This is something that comes up a lot. Either I'm getting questions about it or I see it coming up in Facebook groups. And I wanted to talk today and do a mini solo show. So this is just a bright-sized chunk of talking about comprehension, really just talking about my lived experience over the past 20 years as a speech-language pathologist, 12 of those being duly certified as a board-certified behavior analyst. And I really feel like being duly certified has helped me in so many different ways. And one of those ways is really understanding how to support comprehension in my students and my autistic learners. And so today what I want to do is share my therapy plan, a little bit of a peek behind the doors of my therapy room, if you will. And I want to share with you if you're struggling, if your students are struggling, and there's definitely identified need of needing to work on comprehension skills, how can you help support your students so that they're comprehension skills are more robust. There's definitely a framework. So some of these foundational skills for emerging communicators, I talk about in our five-hour ASHA and ACE-approved course called Start Communicating Today. And in that course, we talk about emerging communicators. So we're going to work on joint attention. We want to make sure a student can request or can mand for the things that they need. We might have to start thinking about 
what is going to be the the response form? Is the student going to be verbalizing? Are we working on verbal imitation targets? Are we working on a coex? Um, is the student going to be using AAC? Okay, and we talk about a lot of those different things in that course and all throughout ABA speech. You can just look up any type of foundational skill and find a blog post or a course about it. And so once we have some of those things where the student is learning how to learn and those learning readiness skills, we might segue into working on labeling. We've talked about working on labeling, how my approach to working on labeling is that labeling can be really hard for students. So we want to make sure that we work on labeling preferred items first, preferred items first. My big soapbox is please don't work on labeling bathroom. If a student is really having a hard time and they're on a toileting program, the first thing they should not be working on labeling is bathroom. If they really love Daniel the Tiger, let's start there. If they really love Paw Patrol, boom, that's the target. Then we're going to start labeling more functional items. Maybe they're going to be labeling different places in their home or different people in their environment. Uh, and then segueing into actions, thinking about present progressive, eating, dancing, playing, feeding, petting, thinking of the action builder cards and all the, the different actions that we have in there and making sure that this is obviously specific to the learner. And what comes along with that is then segueing to, and this is kind of where the layered, me being duly certified helped me with my students and comprehension, is learning more about intraverbals. Now, there's a three-pronged approach, and I'm not going to get into, like I do in the intro to ABA, exactly what that means, and I don't want to be too jargony in my podcast, but Introverbal. I say something, you say something, and our messages are not the same. So I may say A, B, you say C. I may say, ready, set, you say go. I may say, what's your name? And you answer with your name. And so filling in the blanks. In the behavioral world, you may hear this called introverbals and introverbal. And so this is really the cornerstone for, I believe, conversation. I say something, you say something. I say something, you say something. And Dr. Sunberg, I'll include that in the show notes. This is going to be a good show notes. I'm going to have a lot of links in there. Dr. Sunberg, who did many things in the field and continues to do, I think he's semi-retired. I tried to get him on the podcast here and he said, Rose, I'm retired now. Um, but he has sent me VB Maps in the past when I presented an invited talk at ASHA with some of my other duly certified friends. So thank you for coming with me to Orlando, guys. That was super fun. Um, filling in the blanks. He has a really nice kind of supplement that goes along with the VB map that looks at these different fill-ins. And so they start very simplistic where it's just a fill in the blank. Um, and you want to pick ones that are more functional, mean more to your student's environment. But some that may be, you know, if your student loves numbers, maybe it's one, two, three, and your learner says four. Um, and I really love to work on introverbals or these filling in the blanks. And I'm using those interchangeably. And I know that that's not exactly the same. So please don't come for me in my on my social media. Um, just trying to be simplistic. But these fill in the blanks are identifying and kind of like a precursor. I think when I was a speech language pathologist, I definitely worked on Ready, Set, Go and things like that. Um, but I wasn't analyzing comprehension to this kind of minutia. And so this has really helped me and helped my students in supporting and scaffolding their comprehension skills. So if you have students who are struggling with answering comprehension questions, I would urge you to go to the show notes and to get our, I'm going to try to link Dr. Sunberg's because it's very thorough, um, 
intraverbal supplement. Um, and I will also link up our freebie, which are some fill in the blanks. And that's just a highlight of some popular ones. And so let's say that your student is having a hard time with answering comprehension questions and you've had this goal on the IP. Student's really struggling. Let's think about and let's try to baseline some of these fill-ins. Can the student do these fill-ins? And you could do them for ready, set, go. Um, you could do them for animal sounds if the student is young. Um, they can be just about anything. And so this will give us a good idea. Is the learner uh, ready to work on that skill? Another way that we can think about comprehension, in addition to this idea of fill in the blanks, is answering WH questions with a visual present. I think this is such an important skill, and sometimes we don't include that visual either in our goal or in our teaching strategy. And for some students, yes, we're able to fade that visual. So for an example, before I get too carried away, I have this really cool book and it has a picture of an animal and it has one sentence at the top. And so I say my one sentence, it has the picture of the animal, and then I can ask a WH question. I show the picture, I read the one simple sentence, and then I ask my learner a question. They're answering a question, but the answer, the visual is present and it will be. I'm not going to fade that visual for this example today. And that was a really popular short form video. I did it on TikTok or Instagram or something like that. Because you may not always have books that are simplistic like that. So I've actually made way back in the day, I still do have a Teachers Pay Teachers um, store. Sometimes I give those books away for free to my email subscribers. So make sure you're on the list, abaspeech.org. But what I was finding, because I was working at the middle school, high school level, is that my students were really struggling with answering WH questions. And these were students who were more advanced in chronological age. And um they really needed that visual present. And the the idea of fading the visual may not really be what's best for that student. And so I think answering a question with a visual present is another way for us to think about scaffolding and helping our students on this road to increasing their overall comprehension skills. So can I show my student a picture and a sentence and ask a question where the visual is present and can they answer that question? So I love to use books. I talk about literacy a lot here at ABA Speech and talk about that in the power of joint attention and all of my courses because books are just so important for so many different skills and they're fun. Let's just, you know, keep it fun and functional people. They are fun. So using a book that has a simple sentence, a picture, or maybe it's a wordless picture book and it just has the picture and you come up with the sentence and you ask a question. Another way that you can work on that is with picture cards or during COVID, I made a lot of different boom learning card decks. I'll link those in the show notes as well. And I teased that out, I think because I had some students at the time, was that four years ago, that were working on answering WH questions with a visual present. And so there's a where deck, a who deck, and a what deck. So the first slide is a question the what question. And then the next one or that same slide has three choices. And then the visuals present, but there's distractor items, right? Because it's three choices, not just the one correct answer. So this is kind of like a level up a little harder from just the picture in the book. And so then the student corrects 
selects the correct answer. And just like a boom card, it goes, which is kind of fun. And then the next page tells you what the correct answer is. And so that can be another way too. Okay, we're going to show a picture. We're going to ask a question. The visual is present. Now we're going to systematically uh, make that a little bit more difficult to strengthen our students' skills. And we're going to ask a question and there's going to be one correct answer and then two distractors or two other pictures that are going to be present. And thinking about, well, what is really important for my student? Answering what questions, answering where questions, answering who questions. And that to me is a really nice way to write an IEP objective. My mind thinks of care plans for insurance and IEP objectives for school-based professionals. Okay, my learner is going to increase their overall language skills by answering functional WH questions. And then maybe your objectives are teased out to who, what, and where. And as always, for students who have more high support needs or complex communication needs, I always like to usually put a number in there. Um, it can be harder if you don't know the student and you don't know their learning history, but I may say Quinn is going to, when shown a picture and given a sentence, Quinn is going to answer a who question with 90% accuracy over two consecutive sessions. I and I might in the parentheses say a total of 12. So meaning if we're thinking school-based in over 12 months, well, if you're in a year-round program or, or nine, whatever it is, um, that the student is going to meet criterion with answering all those different questions. Um, I do take data on questions that are really specific that the student can answer. That doesn't mean back in the day, what I would do is work on one question to mastery. And then I'd introduce another question. And then I'd work on those in random rotation. Then I'd introduce another question. I'm not really as rigid in my target selection anymore. That can be hard because you have to take data and you have to share that data. So it can be harder to um, be more flexible with your data if you're working in a non-public program per se. And you're, you're working on it as a speech therapist and maybe a registered behavioral technician is supporting your goal. But what I try to do now is maybe have a field of three uh, WH questions that we're working on. Um, I know that can be tricky. So you have to really take data in a way that makes sense for you and for your student and that is functional. And why I include that number sometimes is that the learners that I'm working with and did work with for 10 years were in middle school and high school. And so their learning growth was a little slower than perhaps a kid that was in preschool that just happened to be um, usually their learning histories and how they were learning and the progression of their skills. And so I like to put that number in there because I want to show like, wow, look at, it. at the beginning of the year. Quinn was not able to answer one where question, but now Quinn is able to answer 12. And 12, when I ask, when the teacher asks, when it's generalized to the home environment, having that narrow functional focus for Quinn is going to help Quinn increase their overall communication skills. Very exciting. Okay. So maybe in our foundational skills, we're working on labeling, preferred, functional, present progressive actions. Then we're starting to segue. We're going to look at uh, the ABA speech intraverbal program or Dr. Sunberg supplement, if that's still available, I'll make sure to link it because it's a gem. And then we're going to work on answering WH questions with a visual present. So maybe you're doing just one page 
and it's a book, and they're answering a question about that. Maybe you're doing a boom card. Maybe you like to make your own materials, so you're making your own. Maybe you're just using flashcards. Whatever it is, this is a way to systematically analyze how we're working on that comprehension skill. The last thing that I want to talk about, the last kind of two things, is thinking about answering questions about personal safety. I think this is a skill that is really overlooked, is really overlooked and something that we are not goal setting enough for our students. And you may be thinking, Rose, what are you even talking about with personal safety? So personal safety would be a student being able to answer, what is your name? What is your address? What is your phone number? What is your, when is your birthday? What is your mom's name? What is your dad's name? Maybe guardian, maybe aunt, whatever the case is. Personal safety questions are so important for our learners, especially if we're thinking about students who might elope from their home, from the school environment. Being able to answer what is your name and being able to generalize it to not only the speech therapist, not only the BCBA, but to other members of the team. Maybe you have a really hip principal and they'll help you generalize these skills. Maybe there's a clinical director that you could knock on our office door and practice this skill. You want to make sure that these skills can be generalized. We have to plan for generalization. We can't just hope that it's going to happen because we know for our students, this is something that's really hard. And so I would 100% Rather have a student who has two goals on their IEP or their treatment plan, and these goals we have time to work on, and these goals we have time to plan for that generalization piece and write it into the objective. I have seen that written into the objective. Very, very important. I have sat through too many meetings where there's page after page after page after page, okay, you get it, of of goals. And to my to me, I'm thinking, how is this person ever going to even get to work on any of this? Whether you're non-public program or you're a public program, you want to be able to have a narrow focus and be able to have deeper instruction on these skills that are a priority of the client and a priority of the family and other stakeholders as well on the team. So very important. For personal safety, one other thing I'll mention is I personally, now this is a Rose thing, this is not from a research article, but I do not teach students to answer, how old are you? I have found that it is hard for some students with autism to discriminate, how are you? Versus how old are you? Now, I know that we want all of our learners to be able to discriminate that there's a difference there. Okay, but I have found that it's tricky. And so every year, that answer changes. Like I'm having a birthday that's coming up right after we air this. And sometimes I'll forget how old am I? Because people are not coming up to me, especially in my advanced stage and saying, Rose, how old are you this year? I mean, they would never, right? They would never. So I like to teach. And it's just my personal opinion that is more functional for us to teach. When is your birthday? Why is that functional? Because that answer stays the same. And because if a student is job age, they could put that on an application as well. I think 
it's really important for us to teach personal safety to our students. And I think that it correlates nicely with this comprehension episode. Another take on comprehension is then getting into, which we won't talk about a lot today, but is social language skills. So answer, answering social questions. I really started the same. I have older would you rather PDFs where this there's two choices and the student will pick. Would you rather eat a pumpkin pie or an apple pie? Um, I've segued into new technology and now I have a couple of YouTube videos that are a little bit more fun, like one on vacation, one on dessert. I'll include those in the show notes too. It's a would you rather activity in essence, but it's on YouTube and it has the two choices there. Okay. Would you rather have a chocolate chip cookie or an apple pie? Would you rather go on a plane or in a hot air balloon? Things that are kind of fun like that. And so we can also start to think about comprehension in that way with our students being able to generalize this skill. Maybe you're able to see your student one-on-one. And then how can you generalize these skills also to a group setting, which I know for a lot of clinicians that are working in the schools, that is something that I always try to do is if I was able to see a student individually and then also see a student in a small group setting. I want you to make sure that you check out the show notes for this episode. I am going to link a lot of the different resources that we talked about for working on foundational skills. I'll link up the Start Communicating Today course that is just $25 monthly or $247 for the year when you join the ABA Speech Connection. We have that course included. And the only way you can purchase that course is to have access to our membership. So I hope you'll join us there. And in that, I talk about those foundational skills. I'll include a fill in the blank from my company, ABA Speech, and I'll link up Dr. Sunberg's if his is available as well. And then I'm also going to put up just a couple of our boom cards that I had made during COVID and I continue to use where they have the visual present for the students. Um, And then I will also link up one of my favorite social language activities. It's called Let's Talk. And it's a really great way to start a group time or an individual session. So it has a social language question and it has four different visual choices. I hope that this has been a helpful episode on how we can think about and analyze comprehension skills for our students. If anything, you have a question, anything comes up, you can always visit me at abaspeech.org or my direct messages are always open for you over on Instagram. I'll see you next time and make sure to keep things fun and functional. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.